Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. Episode 68 of For Future Considerations. We've got another one for you. The boys are all here. It's Manny along with Matt and John. Fellas, long time no see. How you been? Not bad at all. John, how's Markdale? Excellent. Have you have you caught up on your all your sleep? I know uh, you went on that cruise. <laughs> you got some sleep, but it was on the West Coast. Time shift. <laughs> You all good or what? Yeah, I slept like a baby on the flight back too, so that was good. <laughs> all caught up. This guy, this guy split at fifty-fifty under the sheets and out uh, enjoying the the sights of the cruise. <laughs> you got to get twelve hours a day, isn't that what they say? Oh, Is it twelve? I guess so. Twelve. <laughs> yeah, a good twelve. That's that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm happy if I get five. <laughs> Over the week or yeah. <laughs> on, on night? You're Monday to Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one thing I was going to say about Manny, though, you can sleep anywhere. I've seen you fall asleep sitting up in a chair oh. more than once. <laughs> Are you going to bring up Saginaw all over again? <laughs> yeah, the best part was, Rashad, it was his room. <laughs> <laughs> These guys, I invite them into my hotel room. They take over my bed. Yes, yes, we did. We, both, we did. Rashad and I, I think twice. Have we slept in the same bed twice? Yes, yeah, twice. Because we did in Chicago, too. So I guess two I nights, more so maybe than three nights. I think you guys did it. Uh, what? <laughs> I think you guys what? slept in the same bed <laughs> in Montreal, didn't you? Two? Oh. Was that Rashad? Because I know there was somebody else in that bed, too. <laughs> God, the way you were no, uh, because no, because I slept with you in Montreal. <laughs> I said pardon, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, you, because Tim came. Yes, all right, and I, neither of us knew him, and we felt weird first night sleeping right. with a stranger. Tim got stuck with John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Saginaw, you guys take over my bed. Yeah. And I'm sleeping in a Lego chair, basically. <laughs> this is his second sleep of the night, because the first one was at a booth at Denny's at 2.30 in the morning. 25 hours I was up that day. I could sleep anywhere if I'm go- pulling a full day. Oh, man. My favorite is I remember asking Manny, oh, are you sure you don't want your bed? But I didn't give him, like, I didn't ask him twice, because I didn't want him to change his mind. So, okay, okay, you're fine. All right, then, night. <laughs> You you said that as you had zipped up your onesie <laughs> under the first cover. <laughs> you were already pulling the covers. Eyes closed. Teddy bear under my was, arm. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I well, sh- that was me. <laughs> he is a little furry though. Let's give it up, right? So, yeah, you oh. sure you don't want to wear a shirt? <laughs> oh, the the adventures of yeah. Matt, John, and Manny. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, what were you going to say five minutes ago? <laughs> good start, boy. I don't even know. I feel bad for our poor guest that's just hanging on the line here. I'm going to sit through this. Anyway, oh. second show of the week. 
Go back and listen to, to episode 67. It's just as stupid as this was. Um, amazing and fun debate on a bunch of different topics. Football, hockey, baseball, pump it or dump it. Great stuff in uh, episode 67 and the 66 prior to that one, too. <laughs> and make sure you're following us on social media as well for future considerations on Facebook and Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram. And congratulations to uh, Wyatt Johnston, yeah! the Spitfires, former guest of the podcast. Go back and take a listen to that. He has signed an NHL contract with the Dallas Stars. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, he was taken in the first round by Dallas. Yep. We talked to him just before the draft. We had an inkling that he was going to be taken in the first round. So if you want to go back and listen to Wyatt, a great episode. That was episode 49. Go check it out. Yeah, we knew him when. Let's hope he remembers us now that he's rich and famous. <laughs> yeah, Dallas would be nice. I wonder what kind of yeah, fans go they got down there. <laughs> it's always bigger in Dallas, Rashad. <laughs> uh, and now we have a special guest on this edition of the podcast. Sorry, I'm trying to keep this car on the road. <laughs> How's that going for you? <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> that doesn't impress me. <laughs> this guy is a former OHL star. He played four seasons with the Owen Sound Attack before finishing his career with the Sarnia Sting. He also played three seasons of Canadian University Hockey with Queens. And even Captain Jamaica's hockey team. He has now been hired by the Pittsburgh Penguins to be the community hockey programs manager for the Penguins Foundation and leads the Willie O'Ree Academy. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, Jaden Lindo. Jaden, welcome to the podcast. How have you been? I've been great. I've been great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You weren't kidding about the introduction. Yeah, that was quite something. I, I missed those from the old sound days. Like, I call you, call you every week to get get it going for me at the start of the week. Ah. Man, I'm sure the gang and Owen Sound misses you too. Oh my goodness, so good to see you. Thanks for doing this. We've got so much to talk to you about, really. Like, there's so much, so much we can go yeah. down. Um, let's start with this new gig with the Penguins. Congrats! How did this come about? Yeah, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, um, kind of crazy how it happened. Um, kind of two sides to the story. I was, um, I, I moved back home this summer and was doing a business program through Queens. And I uh, got a text from, you know, a number that I didn't recognize. Um, but I recognized the name from one, one of the members of the front office, and uh, it was Jim Britt, the executive director. And um, just asked me to give him a call. He had some exciting things going on down in Pittsburgh, and he kind of wanted to share it with me. And, you know, we spoke on the phone and uh, kind of explained the, the potential position that they had for me. And, um you know, through future conversations, I spoke with, you know, the CEO, David Morehouse, and other members of the Pittsburgh organization, and I got a strong feel that, you know, they they uh, had a lot of great initiatives going on in the Pittsburgh and giving back to giving back to the community, and it felt like a great place for me to, you know, start my professional career, and um, the timing worked out great. The timing worked out perfectly. You know, I finished my business program in August, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm hoping to get started um within the next week or so so yeah everything kind of lined out perfectly but uh after the fact i, I kind of pondered the bond and i was 
I, I asked uh, Jim, I was like, you know, I haven't heard from Pittsburgh in, you know, four or five years. So, like, where, where did this all come from? And um, what happened was, if you remember the documentary I did, Soul on Ice, yeah. um, the director, Kwame Mason, actually um, was speaking with Jim back in spring, either spring or winter. And uh, I heard they were looking for people for this position, and Kwame mentioned mentioned my name. And then I guess, uh, you know, Jim and them did their research on me and uh, contacted me. And that's kind of how it all rolled out. So kind of a great story of how that kind of panned out. That Soul yeah. on Ice documentary was great, awesome. too, by the way. It yeah. was great. Yeah, that was good. And, and yeah, you mentioned the ties right there. I mean, sixth round pick of the Penguins in 2014. Uh, what kind of communication did you have with them at that time? And, and did you ever imagine that you'd be in the, the Pittsburgh front office <laughs> before, uh, before to not too long after? Yeah, that's almost the, the most surreal part about it. Kind of uh, seems like everything's coming full circle. Obviously, I'm extremely grateful to have been drafted by Pittsburgh and given the opportunity of a lifetime to go down there and, you know, work with the, the organization, participate in the rookie main camp. And, um, you know, that's an experience that I'll cherish forever. Um, but uh, never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be, you know, stepping foot back into not even just like the NHL, but, um, you know, with, with the, the team that drafted me. Um, definitely fortunate and definitely grateful. I'm excited for the opportunity, but um, it's just crazy. It's uh, just unbelievable to think about, um, you know, the potential that could come out of playing playing the game and how many different ways you can impact the game and be involved within the game. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, I mean, it's quite a, a bit of a dream come true. Not Maybe not the original dream that I had <laughs> with playing in the NHL, but uh, it's definitely a close second. When you were in the driveway uh, of your family home, you weren't thinking, man, one day I want to be the community hockey programs manager <laughs> of the Penguins Foundation. It, it wasn't that. It was uh, it was uh, sending saucers over to Mario, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mario would have been past, past my days, but I mean, maybe Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your role as community hockey programs manager and with the Willie O'Ree Academy? What would you be doing day to day? Yeah, so um, it's it's a it's a new position that uh, Pittsburgh created, and it, it's pretty unique. As you know, the manager of community hockey programs, my, my purpose is to help with community outreach, and especially with you know underprivileged communities, going out to underprivileged um, neighborhoods and introducing the game of hockey to you know young younger young individuals who may want to get involved within the game, but, you know, don't know how to take the steps or aren't able to for specific reasons or barriers that they face, whether it's, you know, financial, racial, you know, et cetera. So, um, yeah, just to create diversity within the Pittsburgh community, uh, introduce the game to, to you know, um, different populations that might not have much, um, you know, knowledge of the game of hockey or opportunity to, to enter the game of hockey. Um, especially within the Willie O'Ree Academy, you know, it's a great organization, fantastic. Um, you know, hearing about the the organization the first couple of times, I was really amazed that, you know, something like that exists because, you know, something that I wish I had when I was, um, you know, a youth hockey player. And I, in, in some ways I did. Um, growing up in the Toronto area, I played for a team called the Skills Black Aces, which is a, a minor hockey league program, summer hockey program, where we took, you know, minorities players from the GTA area and we competed in tournaments. So 
I, I know how valuable that experience was for me in my development in hockey, you know, playing with players that uh, face similar experiences and challenges that I do. And, you know, also within the, within the coaching staff as well. So I know how valuable that experience is. And I think, you know, the, the participants that will be taking place within the Willie Reed Academy will have an unbelievable experience. And, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting all of them and helping to become some sort of a mentor to them and help them achieve, you know, the, their dreams and show them the various opportunities that lie within hockey. Have you had a chance to meet Willie O'Ree? I have not, unfortunately. Um, that's one individual I'm definitely looking forward to to meeting. Um, I never got a chance to meet him. I know he's in the Soul and Ice documentary, but I unfortunately never had the opportunity to meet him. Um, I'm hoping, you know, throughout my time working within Pittsburgh and, you know, within the NHL, um, if he's ever passing through through the Pittsburgh area, maybe if we do a screening for the Soul and Ice documentary, he'll be stopping in in Pittsburgh and I'll have the honor of, of meeting him and, you know, connecting with him, speaking with him. So it sounds like it's a great program that you'll get to work with young hockey players. How do you think that will grow the game, change the culture of hockey a bit? Because it sounds like that's what you want to do. Yeah, there's there's just so much that uh, Pittsburgh has going on within the multiple you know levels of the their foundation. There's so many activities starting from um, you know underprivileged uh, communities and players who haven't even started playing hockey yet, and developing them all the way through their pipeline. You know through various activities that they got going on. Um, so Penguins have a great you know base for. Um, increasing diversity within the Pittsburgh area, and it, it, it really seems like they're they're at the forefront of of uh, you know increasing diversity within the NHL. Um, so you know I'm extremely excited to be a part of it, and I think um, you know introducing various ways that you know individuals can impact hockey, not like like personally like me, you know, not just playing, but through other areas such as front office, or you know being able to. Uh, children different opportunities that lie within hockey obviously you know there's junior there's college and just opening up various doors that um, players and minorities might not might not be aware of and showing them the potential opportunities that lie within them to help well all all in all help grow the game um, help increase diversity within the game and you know I think over time it'll leave such a great impact and I think it'll only benefit the, the culture of hockey in a positive way moving forward. There is an incident uh, that we we do certainly want to reference. We did talk about it in the uh, the first uh, episode that we had this week. Uh, and when you talk about the culture and such of, of hockey, um, the the just disgusting gesture of the the player that was mimicking peeling a banana and eating that. Um, what were your first thoughts uh, when you saw that or heard about that? Yeah, that was definitely um, tough to see. Uh, I want to say surprising. Um, but in a way, it is surprising, but in a way, it's, it's almost a reminder of how much further um, we have to go as a hockey community and hockey culture. Um, you know, seeing gestures like that, it seems like, you know, as soon as you feel like you're making progress, incidents like these pop up out of the blue and it kind of gives you a, um, a reminder of, you know, how long we really or how far we still really have to go. Um, it's completely unfortunate that you know, that incident had to happen to, to Jalen. And, you know, he definitely has a lot of support throughout um, the whole hockey community, throughout the whole world. You know, there's been a lot of support through social media. Um, I'm happy that, you know, they, they captured 
captured the, I'm not, I'm not happy that it happened, but I'm happy to capture it on video and that, you know, we can, we can see on social media exactly what is happening within the hockey community um, to, to, you know, open up eyes and make people aware of the incidents mm-hmm. that are still happening within the game. You crossed paths with Jalen too, right? You played against him in the O? Yeah. Yeah. I played against him for a couple of years in the OHL. I don't know him personally, um, you know, just from playing against him, you know, maybe speaking a little bit on the ice to each other, but personally, I don't know him. No. But isn't it always the case, Jaden? You like, it seems hockey takes a step forward and then, you know, something like this happens. How much does the game still need to grow when it comes to, you know, accepting players of all colors and all different backgrounds, right? Yeah, I think uh, so much has to be done. I think when we think of hockey, obviously living in North America, we think about what's going on over here. But, you know, there's there's a lot of incidents and a lot of growth that needs to happen overseas too within Europe, um, such as where that incidents occurred. I think when we think about growing the game, we're so quick to focus on, you know, players only. But there's so many other areas like coaching, scouting, general managers, um, refereeing. Um, I know, you know, a couple couple months or maybe about a month ago, Jason Payne is the only professional um, head coach in North America. And, you know, extremely happy for him. I mean, well-deserved. I, I know Jason Payne very, very well. Um, extremely happy for him. But, you know, it's just surprising that in 2021, um, we're only witnessing our first black head coach in professional hockey. So I think I think when you think about growth within the game, I think there's, yes, we want to see growth within the players, but I think there's so many other areas that we want to see growth throughout the organizations, throughout, you know, the whole entire National Hockey League or all professional leagues, and, you know, even worldwide. Um, I think we see it a bit internationally, especially with, like, for example, Team Jamaica. When we're competing in the Latin Cup, you see teams like Argentina, Colombia, Brazil, which is great to see. It just shows that, you know, given a couple more years, we'll have so many more teams and, you know, countries competing at the international level, which is great. But, um, yeah, there's there's still a long ways to go, and by no means we should be comfortable with the progress that we've done. What do you think needs to happen to uh, accomplish more growth? I guess, obviously, you just said um, more countries from around the world participating in the game, but um, do you have any ideas of what you think they could be doing in Europe and North America to... Um, promote more acceptance i know it's an unfair question to ask you yeah that's definitely definitely a tough challenge challenge to uh, overcome but i think you know the things that we're doing right now having these conversations on the regular enforcing a zero zero tolerance policy especially when incidents like um i, I don't i don't know his name but the, the player in the uhl uh zero tolerance policy and having you know very strong repercussions um, I think that will show that, you know, there's, there's zero tolerance for that kind of um, those actions within the game of hockey. I think removing the barriers, the various barriers that individuals face in pertain, when it pertains to hockey, obviously hockey is a very expensive sport. You know, with the ice, it doesn't make it easy to implement in various locations. But, um, you know, there's various ways to, to overcome that. You know, you can start with ball hockey, start with, you know, road hockey, you know, introducing players to the game in various various uh, underprivileged communities. Um, I think it'll just help grow the game. I think once players, you know, continue to see more representation of people of that, that look like them and have similar experiences to them, um, whether it's, you know, racial, gender, 
um, entering the game, playing at its highest levels will only make them want to compete more and make them want to um, pursue their dreams even more. So um, it's, it's a long, it's a long uh, journey, but uh, I think we should keep continue taking it step by step and ensuring that every day we're making progress and making the right decisions to help grow the game. Growing up in the GTA, Jaden, you must have encountered this same type of racism at some point and, and the challenges. How'd, can you describe some of the stories that you faced uh, growing up? Yeah, um, you know, to start off, obviously, the GTA is a pretty diverse um, city and area. Um, so I was fortunate enough to grow up and play with other minority players. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I, I face my experiences as well as many, many players do. Um, I know my first year of competitive hockey, I think I was playing single A in Brampton. I think I was maybe six or seven years old. Um, is when I first experienced my first instance of racism. I, there was a racial slur that was uh, thrown at me by another player. And um, at that moment, I, I didn't really know how to react. Um, obviously, I've heard of racism and, you know, being, a, being a, a minority entering hockey, obviously, like my parents prepared me for, you know, the things that I might encounter. Um, but in that instance, when it happens, you don't really know how to react. And I remember I, I, I just began crying on the ice and in the change room and, you know, my coaches and teammates asked what happened. I didn't want to talk to anyone about it. So I didn't, I just told them nothing. And then I remember I went up to the, the concourse where my parents were and they were the only people I told. And, um, you know, obviously my parents were upset with what happened, but, um, as I mentioned, they, they kind of helped. Uh, took it as a learning, not not so much a learning experience, but almost to help prepare me for what I might encounter um, further on in my hockey career. Because they knew that playing hockey was all I wanted to do, and I wanted to play it at the highest level. And they wanted to prepare me for the reality of the situation that you know I'm going to be playing in. Is that you know it's a, it's, it's not a very diverse game, and um, these are the kind of mental and you know physical and emotional challenges that I, unfortunately I might have to face in order to accomplish my dreams. So, um, yeah, that was just one instance that I faced in my minor hockey career in the GTA. And, and you said you were six or seven when that happened? Yeah. Yeah. It was minor Adam. I, I don't know exactly wow. what age group that is, but it was minor Adam hockey. Yeah. So you had made an interesting point uh, a little bit earlier, and, and it's something that uh, that I'd to turn back to to you. And, and you had mentioned the the new head coach uh, in Cincinnati, that um, you know first African American head coach. What would it mean to you um, as a as a young black man to see people of like you said that look like you, your color, that uh, in these types of positions as a youngster, like how how motivating would that have been, and, and how important is that for for the kids today that that can see uh, you know the prominent minorities in in different positions? Yeah, it just I think it's it's extremely important. Um, it gives it gives players hope. It gives the youth hope. Um, when you look at you know minority minority individuals who've broken all sport barriers, um, and you know, the turnaround that occurred after that, you know, you start having more minority players enter the game and play it at its highest levels. Um, I think it, I think it provides kids hope and a dream that they can look at, um, something to strive for, seeing people believing that, you know, something that they thought might not have been 
capable of doing because of their the color of their skin, their race, etc., is actually um, something that they can achieve. And um, I, I think I think it's amazing to see. Um, like I said, unfortunately, it, it, that in 2021 we had our first, you know, minority um, head coach. But um, I think you know, continuing to doing the things that we were doing and um, having these conversations, giving giving individuals the opportunity, removing the barriers that minorities face within you know all aspects and areas of life. I think it will continue to see more growth within the game. But uh, to answer your question, I think it gives gives people a lot of hope and a lot of uh, belief that you know anything's possible. So. Yeah, Jaden, you, you mentioned too about going through that experience at such a young age. What kind of advice do you give to other young kids? Like if, if kids of color in this new uh, minor hockey program that you'll be leading with the Pittsburgh Penguins, what kind of message will you be sending to the kids to overcome those challenges if they do have to face them? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think as time goes on, when you look at it, where minority individuals are having more and more ambassadors, representatives in the NHL that they can look up to. Um, so, you know, what I want to be, like as mentioned, I want to be a mentor to these, these individuals. And if they're ever going through, you know, these, in, these tough instances, you know, I want them to, to be able to reach out to me for support. You know, a lot of them might not have a support network that has gone through similar experiences that they might be facing and, you know, I can offer my advice and, you know, um, help them through these, these tough situations that maybe other people can't. So I think I bring a complete unique experience that many individuals, um, within the game of hockey do not, do not have that firsthand experience. And I think, um, I, I just want to contribute and, you know, provide them with my, my mentorship, my, my, uh, my, everything that I've learned throughout my experience of playing, playing within the NHL. Um, so I think, I think specifically what, what kind of advice can I give them? I think I, I want to provide them with and show them that, like, like I said, anything is possible. Um, you know, any areas of, of the game that you want to play, whether it's playing at, you know, junior college, just showing them individuals that have gone through the past that they have and, you know, uh, gone through those barriers and broken down those barriers for them to to be able to accomplish the game at the highest levels. Um, I, I kind of want to show them those experiences and you know offer them support emotionally um, and you know psychologically in any way that I can and contribute to to their development and growth through the game of hockey. And speaking of those experiences that you had, um, let's talk about your hockey career. Uh, we first became aware of you and met you in Owen Sound. Um, how would you describe your time in Owen Sound? Yeah, I, I love my, my experience within Owen Sound. Um, you know, growing up, I, uh, I grew up in a pretty fairly big city of Brampton, I think over 600,000 people. So it was a bit of a, bit of a change going, moving to Owen Sound for me. I think it's only 22,000 people down there. <laughs> you but, probably um, had that many people on your street. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I loved every moment that I had to spend in, in Owen Sound. The community was great. They're one of the most supportive group of fans that I've ever encountered. And, you know, playing in front of them every night was a, a privilege. And I, I really, uh, you know, the people and the, the networks and, you know, the relationships that I have, 
from the people that I've lived with and, you know, interacted with in Owentown, the community, um, you know, I still have a lot of those um, relationships to this day. And, um, yeah, I, I can definitely call Owentown um, an experience that I'll never, never forget. Um, and like I said, I, I love playing there and um, I'm fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do so. You're a fan favorite. Like the fans loved you. They they were heartbroken when you got traded to Sarnia. Like yeah, yeah, they so could was feel I it in their way. bones. So was I in, in a way. Um, you know, like like I said, I I loved interacting with the community. You know, I loved interacting with the fans, um, whether it was just you know with whether in, inside the rink or outside of the rink. Um, you know, I, I had a, there was a special place in my heart for, for Owen Sound and, um, you know, they definitely treated me so well during my time there and, um, they made, they really made it feel like a second home to me, um, which really helped my, my experience within the OHL moving away from home at 16, um, to, to a new town. And I, I, it's definitely something, something tough that individuals have to do, but, um, they really made that experience very easy for me, and I, I enjoyed every second of my time there. Not to put you on the spot, but do you have a favorite on ice moment that you can think of? A good goal, or a big hit, or a... Um, I'd probably say, um, it, this didn't happen in Owen Sound, but um, my first goal within the OHL it was my. We were playing in Windsor actually. And um, my my dad's side is actually from Windsor, so I had both my mom's side that you know traveled from Brampton to Windsor, and my dad's side. So I had a lot of people in the stands, and I had a two point nine, I had a goal and assist that night, and that was that was extremely special. That that one's ingrained in my mind forever. I, I know exactly how it went down. Where's the puck? Do you still have it? Oh, it's still downstairs in the basement. They uh, put in a trophy for me, and I, I put it in the trophy case. So that, that was definitely a special one. I remember the Jaden Leno fan club in Windsor. It was like a big crowd. It was. Yeah. I, I, I had a fan club everywhere I went, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like my, my parents, they, they drove. It was almost like they, they were like at the back of the bus because anywhere we went on the road, they were there with a, you know, a bus load or not a bus load, a van load of family and friends. So it, it, it was almost like I was never really away from home. In a way, because I always had the that had the support there. Mm-hmm. You finished your OHL career in Sarnia with the Sting, and then you decided to go to Queens and play three seasons with Queens. How did that decision come about? How was that experience? Yeah, that was another exciting experience of my career. Queens was an unbelievable university. Um, I, I, after I finished in in the OHL, I kind of I didn't really know where I wanted to go at all. Like Queens wasn't particularly on my radar um but i i decided to you know tour every every location every uh, offer to school that i got and get a feel for the university give it a chance um so you know i did my rounds in in ontario a couple in quebec a couple out east and um at the end of it i was just kind of reflecting back on on my experiences and queens was one that really stood out um i i just got a really strong feel for that the team was a close-knit group of guys. Um, the team went to nationals the year before that I went there, so they're competitive, and obviously they're a, uh, one of the best academic schools as well. And that that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted to go to a school that was very strong academically and a school that – a team that I could compete for a championship with. 
Um, so Queen, Queens checked all the boxes for me. And, you know, the fact that it was close to home or close enough to home, only three hours away was, was another positive. And, um, yeah, it, I had a great experience there. One of the highlights of my hockey career was winning the Queens Cup in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that, the Queens is a very great place in my, in my heart as well. That that ended kind of early too, right? Because of the pandemic. Like, how did that play out? Yeah, unfortunately, never got to play my fourth year, my last year at Queens. Um, we we finished our third year, and then um, obviously the pandemic began around March of I think twenty twenty, and you know that that season they didn't even get to finish nationals. It got cut off early because of the pandemic, and then just you know going throughout the throughout the summer, just looking at you know, the releases and, um, you know, the newsletters that were going out on the um, predicaments of, of our season. Um, it was kind of up in the air, and then they canceled the first half of the season. And then um, shortly after, or not shortly after, I think at the start of the this, this school year, they just canceled the whole thing altogether, which was unfortunate. Um, but, you know, we still practiced and still got on the ice here and there, so still felt part of the team. And, had that kind of team camaraderie and experience, but it still wasn't the same. And it was kind of unfortunate that my hockey career ended without me even really knowing it. Um, Cause I, I expected to have another, another season to play, um, but never got that opportunity. But um, you know, that's just kind of the, the nature of the life that we're living right now. Anything can happen. It's just kind of got to be, be malleable and, uh, re- change, be able to react to any kind of situation that's uh, thrown at us because things are always changing. What have you learned uh, most? Uh, you, you mentioned the pandemic and uh, and everything that you've had to deal with. Uh, you know, uh, the job pops up and that that works out pretty well for you through through this. But what have you learned most uh, about uh, about yourself professionally, personally, uh, in the reflective time that you've had away from the ice? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I think one thing. That stands out is you never realize how much you miss it till you're done. <laughs> um, you know, just the fact that I haven't played organized like season hockey in, I guess, about a year and a half now. Um, it, it's, it's tough to think about, and especially like thinking that, you know, I know Queens is going back into another season right now. You know, Junior starting up, NHL's back, and, you know, not living a life away from being an athlete is it's definitely different um that not obviously something i've never done growing up and playing sports competitive sports for 20 plus years uh the transition's difficult uh <laughs> kind of open open yourself up to the real world and see what it's all about it's uh quite the change quite the change but um it, it's nice that i'm still able to work within hockey and within entertainment and kind of feel like I'm still within the hockey culture or well, still be involved within the hockey um, sport. So um, yeah, complete change of life and lifestyle and uh, just a big part of growing up and maturing. Um, but, um, you know, I realized that uh, I think uh, that the, that point was up for me where I realized that I kind of want to do other things within my, my life. You know, I gave hockey 20, 20 plus years, of my life. And, you know, I realized that I kind of wanted to do something else, else with it instead of playing. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm glad to be within this, uh, the Pixar Penguins organization. 
Hey, you're not done playing hockey, though. There's this Team Jamaica. Like, how did this come about? Um, so that's actually been something that's been in the works for almost 10 years now. Um, is, this is actually the third time that I'm, being, I'm going to be playing for Team Jamaica. The first time, I think it was back in, I want to say, 2017, we went and played um, under-20 no- Team Nova Scotia. Um, so we flew out to Halifax and we played there and we, we won the game out there. And then t- two years ago, 2019, we played in the Latham Cup, which is a tournament in Florida hosted by the Panthers for a bunch of, uh, you know, Southern American and um, countries. So like Brazil, Argentina, Colombia. And we won that in shootout, actually, in the championship game, which was unbelievable. And, you know, we're, we're going to go defend our title this year in, in October middle of October back down there in Coral Springs. So another another area of the game that I'm still uh, still playing, still uh, lacing up the skates every once in a while. It, it might not be for a season long, but uh, lace them up for a week and hopefully my lungs can hold up. <laughs> hey, five, five games in the uh, in the Latham Cup tournament, two goals, four assists, six points. That's, uh, that's, that's what you want from your captain right there, exactly boys. It. That's what you want. <laughs> run, run through the wall for that guy. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, a fun tournament. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of talent throughout, you know, Latin America. Um, obviously, in, in the, these countries that you never expected, like Jamaica, to be playing hockey. But, um, you know, it was a great tournament. And looking forward to getting back out there and uh, winning it again. Let's, let's say that. <laughs> So, do the like the competition, Argentina, Colombia, like competition, pretty stiff. Like, how would you describe that? Yeah, it was. They had a lot of great players. I know some of the teams had a couple guys that played, you know, in some professional hockey. Like, I know Colombia had a guy that played in the East Coast Hockey League, and there was another. I think there was a, a member on Mexico that played a bit in Europe. It might have might actually have been the KHL. Um, so you know, like. Uh, it, it was great, great hockey. It was, it was competitive. And, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing the progress of these countries going back down there um, and showing and being able to compete, compete again with them um, on that stage. So, you know, Jamaica is definitely going to be ready. I'm definitely in the process of getting ready, uh, doing my conditioning, getting my workouts in, working on those hands. Had to brush off the cobwebs a little bit, but uh, <laughs> getting on the ice uh, when I can, and you know, definitely getting myself prepared for the tournament to defend the cup. Uh, last one for me, Jaden, and, and thanks again for the time. This has been a fantastic uh, conversation. What, what's the best Manny Pava story that oh, you have? Come on, <laughs> the best Manny Pava story. It's all good, right, it, Jaden? It's good. all good, man. It's there's there's good. never a dull moment with Manny. <laughs> When we go back to like attack rap days, those were always a good time. I mean, I, I even remember. I think uh, when I was with Sarnia, I think one of the games I was hurt, and you know, we went up in the press box, and I was chatting with you, and you were doing the the. Uh, I think you were doing the radio call um, for Windsor, yeah. yeah, yeah, for Windsor, and you know, yeah. like I, it's always a great time when I when I see Mandy. It's uh, always a great time. Always a great time. He's a great guy to have around, and um, yeah, always a fun time. You must give out a lot of money because you still haven't had anybody on here that's had a bad thing to say about you. Uh, it's always a good time. <laughs> well, when you give intros like he does, it's hard to come uh, up with that's anything. True. That's true. That's <laughs> true. 
do 68 episodes of a podcast with him, you'll come out to subscribe. <laughs> hey, checks in the mail, buddy, okay? And when, uh, uh, always good to see you, Jaden. Every time I see you, I always have a big smile and I always have great memories of you. Congratulations on the Penguins yeah, gig again. That's fantastic. And just hearing you speak, we know you're going to rock it. Like, you're going to do such a great job. And uh, when you. this border opens, we'll come down and visit you in Pittsburgh. How's that? That sounds great. You know, they're always welcome to come visit down in Pittsburgh. We can go catch a game and, uh, yeah, catch up even more down there. But uh, thank you. Thank you all for having me on on the show. And, you know, um, I'm happy to be a part of it and, you know, wishing you guys the best in the future. Wow. Our thanks again to Jaden Lindo for joining us on the podcast. He is a very eloquent speaker. Yeah, like, that's about as good as it gets right there for, for any of the guests that we've we've had. That was that was awesome. Not an easy conversation to be had no, either, right? For sure. And, and he spoke very eloquently, very he had a very positive feel to yeah. to how to change the game. And I, if there's one guy who I think can lead uh youngsters, lead a minor hockey program, be the mentor that he talked about being a mentor, it's Jaden Lindo. He's a fine young man yeah absolutely so uh, keep an eye out on him uh, follow him as he continues his career and follow us on social media as well podcast ffc on twitter and instagram and for future considerations on the facebook and keep those emails coming to send us your questions and comments at for future considerations at gmail.com yeah, a lot of emails coming in, and we love to see them. Keep them coming. We want to thank our sponsors on the show, too. London Awnings, quality that shows. Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor, specializing in sport training and nutrition. I'm one of the few people he's never shared a bed with, I can tell you that for sure. But <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to know who's... Goals. Yeah. Goals with a capital G. There it is. Yeah. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.